Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is sponsored by me. I'm sponsoring the show because this is a show that I want to talk to somebody I want to talk to about. Not that I don't want to talk to founders and tech founders, entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, etc. I do. But as many of you know, if you listen to my show, you know I'm a, a golf fanatic. I love golf. I think golf plays a huge role in business. Uh, it's one of those things that is a rarity. Uh, rhymes with my next guest's last name as a little hint. Uh, it's a rarity to me to be able to spend five hours in one place with a couple of people who you want to get to know. And golf is one of those sports that, like, if you talk to the experts, they're like, oh, it's dying. It's, you know, it's so hard. It's, it's expensive, blah, blah, blah. The reality is golf is really one of the sports that's positioned best for the future. You tell me one other place where you can pay $75 for a pass and stand, obviously not for the good tournaments, but for the most tournaments, and stand 10 feet away from a hero. Stand, I, I literally have been five feet away from Tiger Woods. My friend Andy Mack was the foreman for Tiger Woods' group at Medina this year. That's insane. And the, the days of old where you don't clap loud and you don't take pictures, you don't have your phone, now they pretty much just say, fuck it, do whatever you want. Record everything. Because it's good for business. And there's a bunch of leagues and things that are coming up. We, we scratch on a little bit of the Premier Golf League. Um, but we talked about a lot bigger things. And, and the reason that I held the name here is it's David Faraday, folks. You know him. You know him from his show. You know him from a lot of things. Uh, but maybe you don't know about his one-man show. He's lived one of the most fascinating lives of anyone. Um, I think my life is fascinating because I get to spend time with founders and entrepreneurs and CEOs, and I get to hear things that, that I try to share with you that you get to learn from, that I get to learn from. David has done that with professional athletes, golfers, politicians, actors, comedians. Um, he's a character, and his life is something that is an open book. If, if you know of David and you know the life and the struggles that he's gone through and, and family members and so forth that have been uh, you know, stressful, and, and I think that he is someone that you can learn from by just watching them in real time. Um, but sometimes hard things take a little bit of humor to make it palatable. And David has a one-man show that is not his personality of golf. It's not any of that. It's just him. And I think it's worth seeing. We talk a lot about uh, the one-man show, obviously, uh, but we also talk about the changing tide of sport and the changing tide of of being a personality and what people expect and don't expect. And so, um, interesting interview. Uh, certainly one of the cooler things I've been able to do in my life, uh, talk to David Faraday. Uh, but this is an interview with with a person who I think you can learn a lot from on the media side. You can learn a lot from on the sports side. You can learn a lot more about uh, on the living side. So this is my interview with uh, legend, I think, David Faraday. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm a gigantic fan, as I mentioned before the show, and uh, so I just appreciate you taking the time to join us. No, it's, uh, it's nice for you to have me on. Thank you. Uh, so we want to get all of the good stuff for you out of the way first. You are working on the Benton Harbor show um, as well as your own show, so I, I'd love you to share with the audience before we even get rolling here as to where they can catch you and, and what you're here for. Well, um, I'll be at uh, Benton Harbor the the week of the senior PGA championship. Um, I to be honest with you, I'm not sure which day I'm there, but then that's not quite normal for me. Um, and it's a it's a one man show, uh, two hours of uh, storytelling, uh, you know, Irish jokes, stuff like that. And uh, you know, you don't spend 43 years as a professional golfer, uh, you know, without bumping into some strange things and some funny things along the way. So really, it's a 
kind of a journey through my life, if you like, you know, ending up uh, right there in Benton Harbor. So if I'm mistaken, you were, was it featured in HBO Real Sports? I, I don't read anything <laughs> about myself. I can't watch my show. The Golf Channel show, I can't watch it. I watched the first one on, on Lee Trevino, and that was it for me. It just weirds me out, uh, you know, the whole thing. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm not familiar with what people are saying about it or anything. People ask me, you know, if you don't watch it, you know, how do you improve? Well, I don't. <laughs> you either like me or you don't. It's kind of like the golf game. Like at the end of the day, yeah. I practice. I can't watch my own swing because I'll just pick it apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you think it's it's this is an interesting segue because obviously you've been covering golf. You you've won you know was it ten ten tournament titles or something to that effect. I've uh, had a successful career. Then in media had a successful career. Uh, now there's kind of a stage version of this, which is your show. Um, for anyone who who watches who's watched the David Faraday show, like obviously, it it is a, a fascinating show not just because of the golf talk and all the golfers you have on but all the celebrities and and the different types of people who resonate around golf not just because they play some of them play in fact quite poorly uh but they still share stories you spend five six hours walking around a course you you tend to learn a lot about people and it's interesting to me because in a world of business where i i spend all day talking to people uh, whether it's golfing with them or it's working with them um yeah you learn so much about people and i feel like where you differentiated yourself from a media standpoint was that you shared information. It wasn't like insider information. You shared human information about the people that we watch on TV, the Tiger Woods of the world that we don't get to know on a human level. And you seem to have been able to do that. What, like, is that just your natural personality as you came through this, that you were able to just break down and talk to people and and learn the stories or is it, do you have to have a a camaraderie? How, How did that how did that come to be? Because I feel like that's a huge part of the the show you're doing now, which is like your life well, kind of uh, yeah, to watch. You know, the the, the genesis of of the show um, had nothing to do with me. Um, I uh, I originally had an idea for sort of a reality uh, slash sitcom thing, which would have been horrendous. Uh, but uh, the execs of the Golf Channel managed to nip that in the bud, and and they went with the the interview show uh, instead. And and I wasn't an interviewer. Um, I, I'd never done that before. It was uh, just the, the on course, you know, how did you play? You know, well, you know, I had four iron here. And I, started, I mean, which was no, there was no intellectual challenge to it uh, uh, at all. So when the, when the opportunity to do the show came about, you know, really all, all, all I did was all I knew how to do. And that was ask the first question and, and then listen. And um, I, I think that's the, the key to the show's popularity uh, is you know I'm, I, I have I have guests I don't have victims you know I like the show to be a service to them so I mean I, I hope there's there's more of a kind of a kindness uh, to to these interviews than uh, you know say your Piers Morgan or uh, you know some of the hard-hitting you know asking I, I didn't ask President Clinton any questions about you know, Monica Lewinsky, I figured that, you know, we'd, we'd heard enough about that, you know, so it's not, not my MO, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's, I mean, I know that that's why the show is so successful and I know that's why I like it, um, is really, it feels like I was just pulling up to the table with a Guinness and listening to your day basically. And, and I think that, you know, we pound on people for their, for what's the gotcha hook every day. That's all we get anymore. And you forget that there's just two human beings that 
One of them just happens to be really good at golf, or in the case of Bill Clinton, one happens to be you know brilliant politician and president of the United States. At the end of the day, it's two people who can can resonate on on just life, and and everyone has a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and yeah, you know, the, the people have their their story, and they share it with you in a way that makes it easy for me to feel like I relate to you. Well, I, you know, I, I interview people. At, uh, I tell uh, you know, I interview them from a position of weakness. Um, I uh, my life has been you know <laughs> peaks and valleys to say the least. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with alcoholism and drug addiction and mental illness, and and I think you know it, it actually puts me in a because I'm willing to talk about it. It it, it puts me in a in a good place whenever I'm talking to someone you know that might you know have. I've had similar problems or at least understands them. You know, there's a human uh, aspect to it where I hope it turns out to be a conversation rather than an interview. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, this interview is an example of this where it's literally like, I would love to know your thoughts about, you know, the changing landscape of media and in particular golf, right? Like how the PGA exists in the future and what things have to happen. But the the funny thing about that is like, we may or may not even get to that because I can listen to you tell the story of like what your life has been like and your life on the golf course and the people that you've gotten to meet. Some of them are golfers, some are not. And that journey is more relative to the future of what you're going to do than anything. Because, like, at the end of the day, if I'm watching something where I relate to the stars and I can feel like I can put myself in their shoes, I'm going to watch it no matter what happens. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it does. It does. And, uh, you know, the, the landscape is changing uh, so rapidly in golf um, as it is in, in all of broadcasting. You know, we're in a very interesting time here with, uh, you know, with all kinds of new ideas popping up and uh, different ways to – to get your golf, you know, streaming services and, and you know, all the stuff that's, that's going on with the negotiations, uh, the PGA Tour with, with the networks at the minute. You know, I'd be lying if I if I told you I knew which way it was going to head. But, boy, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. You know, one of the funniest things was um, I was at Conway Farms um, for what would have been the BMW, and I this is a couple of years ago, and I, my buddy and I happened to be up on, I think it was like the 13th tee box, and Jim Furyk is teeing off. And my dummy friend, of course, pulls out his phone, and he's trying to snap pictures of this or, or video the shot or whatever. And the guy pulls us up, and we're literally standing on the tee box as they take our phones away, and Furyk is just laughing. And, in fact, uh, he was walking down 18 a little later in the day and saw us crossing over and pointed and was kind of giggling at the fact that we were the two idiots uh, whose phones were taken <laughs> away. And and I, I remember turning around to my friend Doug as we went to, um, to the show. Uh, we went to the – was it – it was Medina, this this most recent tournament. And I was like, do you remember when this happened? And we kind of laughed about it. I was like, the future of golf now is that we all have our phones and that we can shoot this and participate and share everything we're doing at all times. And it's just funny that golf is one of those sports where, you know, it's a gentleman's game. You're not supposed to to be loud and roaring, but yet when you put Tiger into the mix and everyone's going bananas, that's when the game's oh, yeah. at its best. Well, I mean, I'm I'm in Phoenix uh, at the minute as we speak, and uh, you know that's a great example of uh, you know the, the difference that uh, between golf and other sports. I mean, the, the fans can get very close to uh, the players here. There's a personal aspect to it that you don't see uh, in other sports. You know, and quite often there can be you know interaction between players and fans. Not always good, but I mean, yeah. you're going to see it this week in Phoenix. Yes, you know where it's a 
it's a different sport, you know, where I think people feel more attached, you know, to, to the players because of the, the sort of proximity. No, I, I agree. And I, I think really when you think about golf as a whole, it is actually better positioned than most sports because of that to be successful in the social media world and kind of the age we're in because you can share a, a moment like watching Tiger Woods or watching Justin Thomas or watching any of these amazing golfers do something that like 0.01% of the world can do and you're 15 yeah. feet away from them and you can share that with millions of followers in real time. And I think that golf has done not, not, not such a great job of embracing that, but now with pressures, this is where that like premier golf league kind of comes into play. It's like, I don't think it'll be anything. It's like, you know, the XFL, like whatever, it's not going to take down the NFL, but it will force the PGA and the NFL, uh, you know, in the other analogy to step their game up and to welcome a little bit more fan fun and a little bit more competition and things that are, are more entertaining. Cause like I personally, you know, I've always been a golfer. I've always taken business people out to country clubs to golf and you know, that whole thing. But uh, now when I work with a lot of younger founder, you know, entrepreneurs, they don't golf to them. Top golf is golf. And so we got to find a yes. way to get them in. Yeah, I mean, uh, the game is, is changing, that's for sure. And uh, I think the PGA Tour over here is in a, uh, is in a, still in a pretty strong position. You know, it's a free market. And uh, like you said, you know, competition is a good thing, uh, generally speaking. But, but I, I mean, we're in a, an interesting spot here. You know, if someone comes up with, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, for an alternate uh, place to play, uh, I, I, I'm very interested to see how this shakes up because, uh, you know, the networks at the moment, you know, haven't yet finalized a deal with the PGA Tour. Nobody really knows who's going to have which tournament or how much they're going to have. Um, you know, I could be on Discovery Channel next year. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, that's and the funny. Yeah. It's so true. And the, the funny part about this is like, um, you know, if, if you're reading the same articles that I've read, they're talking about doing like $10 million purses for these tournaments. There won't be as many. It's like a 13 tournament league, whatever. But you factor in the element of gambling and all these different things that people are really getting oh, yeah. into. And golf to me, I mean, I, I would have more fun in a golf pool gambling on different things than I would any other sport because it's so personal. Yeah, I, you know, the gambling side of it is, is very interesting. I've just been in a meeting uh, here in Phoenix where one of the journalists asked me, uh, you know, did I think that the gambling was is going to, you know, produce any kind of behavior from the crowd that, uh, you know, somebody's got to bet on somebody, especially in a place like Phoenix where yeah. they may try to, you know, they may try to influence play in some way, like yelling at the top of somebody's backswing or something like that. There's... Uh, there's possibilities for abuse uh, as well. It's just it's such an interesting time. Uh, they've had sports betting on golf for a long time uh, in in the UK, and uh, basically, you know, you can you can bet on anything, uh, individual players, you know, against one against the other on any given day, or you can take a group of players. It's just, uh, I mean, I, I think it's going to be very healthy for the sport in the long term. I totally agree. I, I think you know we always bring up these like what ifs. What could happen? I mean, yeah, there'll be some idiot that does something stupid and then they'll put away with it and you'll see it coming and that'll be the end of that. But at the end of the day, you know, if one guy's trying to manipulate what's going on in the outcome and he's surrounded by 100,000 people who have a bet on the other side, that guy's not going to get back to his car. Like, it's it's not in his interest to to show off that he's trying to manipulate something. Um, 
but to that point, though, I think the competition of this all makes it great. I think it makes it more compelling. And and for you, you are the perfect personality for the future of golf in that in that regard. Because you're the person that I think when I see you walking down the fairway talking to these people, I know that I'm going to get something from you and from them that is incredibly personal and insightful and interesting and colorful. And I, I just see like a lot of opportunities, not that you, you know, don't already know this, a, a lot of opportunities for for you to develop different types of shows and different ways to incorporate you into the game, which ultimately is going to be huge, I think, for for the game of golf. But for you, as you have this one-man show, I feel like there's going to be a one-man show 2.0 because you're there, there's so much that can happen and so many stories that you're going to be privy to over the over the next few years, I, I would imagine. Well, yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, I hope that's the way it, it shapes up and we'll, because we're in a great place in terms of the, the people who are playing at the top of the game. Now, it's a... It's almost unique, uh, this era that uh, Tiger has, has created, uh, where these youngsters that watched him, uh, you know, dominate for so long, and he set the bar that much higher. Now he's back in the game. He's playing against them. But they, they're genuinely fond of each other, these kids. You know, the Ricky Fowlers, the Jordan Spieth, the Jason Days, you know, the, uh, the kids out there that uh, – uh, Justin Thomas, you know, they go on spring break together. You know, th- this didn't happen with Greg Norman and Bias Terrace and like that. You know, there there was a, I wouldn't say it's an animosity. Uh, uh, you know, there was uh, the friction between uh, between the top players in the game. And it's, it's kind of unique to golf, you know, where you get the best players in the game who are actually, you know, such great friends. And uh, I think that leads to, a, you know, a more personal sort of, uh, you know, atmosphere in the game as well, and 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 makes it easier uh, for me to do my job. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I mean, you know, honestly, this is a a horrible time with what happened with Kobe Bryant and the basketball. But I yeah. think, um, and not to go into that, obviously, but in the NBA, you know, what Kobe did is a lot what Tiger has done. You have LeBron, yeah. and he's friends with Chris Paul, and they're all competitive on the on the floor. They want to murder each other. But off the floor, they're really good friends. And I think there was like a five – and this goes the same for golf. There's a five-year period, I think, where – and part of that coincided with Tiger and his stuff and, and being injured and not being on the on the course, where the, the average fan who was 45 to 60 really kind of was turned off because they're used to Jack Nicholas and, and how this whole thing is going to be – you know, we don't talk, we're not friends, it's competitive – now, younger people love to work with people that they're friends with, and they work against each other competitively in business, but they're still great uh, admiration and respect, and they enjoy each other. And, and I think it just took maybe sports in general a little bit of time to sort of figure out how to serve that up to the community. Well, I, I, I think it's it's healthy in any sport, you know, if, if you get good relationships, you know, between the players. And, uh, you know, perhaps you're right. You know, maybe it's happening in other sports as well. Uh, I would like to think that it does. It's uh, you know, there, there's enough hatred to go around. I, I really that's what dislike, Twitter's for. Uh, we got Twitter taking care of the hate. We're good. Yeah, you know, I, I, whenever uh, I hear fans say, you know, I hate Boston or I hate you know Philadelphia, or whatever. I mean, I, I just that, that word. Uh, you know, it just it's uh, it's not necessary in sports. They're a diversion. They're a, a pastime and, uh, you know, really shouldn't be taken that seriously. 
No, I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, well, I guess this is a good segue out of this because uh, I think that there's a lot of lessons like that to be learned, not just, you know, playing golf. That's why I think parents put their kids in sports growing up as you try to learn how to respect the competition um, and to work really hard. And the payoff, of course, in the end is that you work really hard. As we look at um, lessons in life and lessons from the game and lessons from your life, you know, if we pivot towards your one-man show, and I and I look at like what you hope people take away from it, from the very glimpses that I have seen from from this one man show, I think the life lesson is that life is too short to hate anybody, and to spend time you know making the best out of yourself you can. What what do you feel like your the the people who come to see the one man show will learn from you? What is the hope that well, people take away? You know, I, I've got to separate, you know, my two careers because, you know, we're at a, a place, unfortunately, in, in this country, certainly, where, you know, we're being told what we what we can and can't laugh at. And we're being told that by the most humorless people in, in the country. Yep. You know, so in um, Benton Harbor, you know, on that night, I'll, I'll be a comic. I won't be a sports presenter, you know, and... and uh, it's a. It's not exactly politically correct to say the least. Yep. Um, you know, I, I would say things on stage as a comic that if I were to say them on the air, you know, as a sports presenter, you know, would get my ass fired. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that people come away uh, from the show knowing a little bit more about me and and uh, you know, n- not taking themselves or you know so seriously. I feel like that's the one thing that is sort of missing. And I've, I've read numerous clips from, you know, read articles that you've written or been quoted in and obviously heard a lot of things that you've said. And I, I feel like there are not a lot of people out there who take the risk of saying, this is me and this is the deal. And, you know, whether it's offensive to you or not, the intention is that you're supposed to learn from this. What do you, do you feel like it's been a, a strategic advantage for you over your career? And maybe the big differentiator is that you're a tell it how it is a no bullshit guy. Or do you think that um, that it's something that you've had to mind and like work around? Well, you know, my life has been pretty much of an open book. Um, I, I've always, you know, talked about, you know, the, the problems that I have because it's therapeutic to me. Uh, the thought that, you know, me ad- admitting that this is the way that I am, uh, you know, it might make someone else feel less alone. That, that, that's enough for me uh, as a motivation for this. It's just... Uh, you know, this you're right. This is me, warts and all. Um, it's uh, it's the way my life has been, and I, I'm really fortunate, you know, to you know be in a position where people are, you know, they've been interested in it. I've been doing this show now for for five years, and uh, it's it's a huge buzz for me to to get up on a on a stage, you know, in front of a thousand people or or however many you know show up, uh, and and feel like you know, they're going to walk away from that night knowing a little bit more about me. Yeah, no, I, I totally appreciate that. I, I think that there's a lot of people that they think that they're going to become famous because they put on a show, but they have no authenticity. And then there are those who just like are authentic characters and their lives are sort of like there for people to consume good and bad. And and the, I think the ones that are fortunate enough to see it are the ones that people can learn the most from yourself, obviously being included in that short list. So uh, I appreciate what you do. I, I really appreciate all of the, the, the color that you bring to the game of golf. And of course uh, look forward to the Benton Harbor show. Well, thank you so much for having me on. No, of course, David, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. Where do people go to follow you and all that jazz? 
Well, if you go to FahertyOffTour.com, um, it'll give you the dates uh, of all of the one-man shows, including the Benton Harbor show. Just FahertyOffTour.com. Okay, great. Thank you very much, David. All right, thank you. Wow, what a blast. Talking to David Faraday. I've literally listened to this dude interview golfers, interview the president, interview actors, anyone you can think of, uh, for the most of my entire adult life. I mean, as a golfer, I grew up playing golf, watching golf. Uh, he was a player at the time. To actually talk to him was, was I'm not going to say so much as a dream come true, but it was it was one of the cooler things. Uh, obviously not tech and entrepreneurship. We talked a little bit about media. We talked a little bit about other stuff. Um but what a pleasure. What a cool experience. I recommend everyone definitely check out uh, Faraday Off Tour and see his, his dates. If you're here in Chicago, you can go to Benton Harbor and see his one-man show. Highly recommend it. Uh, he's also a great follow on social, David Faraday, not hard to find. Uh, speaking of social, if you like me, you like some of the stuff we talk about on the show, whether it's tech or not tech, uh, obviously follow me at Katoon on all things social. Or uh, if you're into tech, at Technori. Boom, that's a wrap.